The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We're only a day out from the NBA trade deadline, and we still have nothing to talk about, at least in terms of trades that have gone down. We do, however, need to remind you all that the Hoopball live trade deadline show runs Thursday, tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on YouTube. We're pasting the links all over the universe We've got the link everywhere. The reason I bring this up at the front end of the show is because I did it right at the very end of yesterday's pod, and I'm guessing some of you guys missed it. But I don't want that to be the case today. I want all of you that listens to this podcast to watch the live show instead. And I get it. Uh, That might be harder for for you. Uh, You could just listen to it. I figure if you can listen to the pod, you can listen to the live show. It's four hours long. We're going to be breaking news all morning long. Again, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time, Thursday, March 25th. Firing it up first thing tomorrow morning here on the Pacific Coast. And uh, you guys just got to make sure you don't miss it. So go to the HoopBall YouTube page. Uh, That's YouTube.com slash HoopBall. Pretty easy. YouTube.com slash HoopBall. And it's the most recent or the upcoming show. You can set a reminder for yourself. What I'd also ask you guys to do, this is my favorite request of the show, is when you navigate over there, and I'm going to put the link in the description of today's podcast. So while you're listening to this show right now that I'm speaking to you on, you should be able to find, go to the details of it, and that'll have our YouTube page and the actual direct link to uh, the NBA trade deadline live show. So click into that. Please click on the thumbs up button. For one, I'll know you did it, which is great. Then I can say thank you to all of you when we come back with a regular show again on Friday. Uh, Also, it's going to help get that in front of more people. This is a really big day for us here at HoopBall. This is a day, or tomorrow is at least, when we can get our wares in front of new people, new eyeballs, new faces. So we're asking you for this completely free request, please click into the live show today. Hit that thumbs up button. If you're not already a subscriber to our YouTube page, this is a great opportunity to do so and set a reminder for yourself. There's a little alarm bell right on the screen uh, when if you go over to the actual YouTube page uh, for the show and you can set a reminder. So, you know, you get a little ding or whatever when when we fire it up tomorrow at 9 a.m. So again, that's the Hoopball Trade Deadline live coverage Can't believe we're not breaking down any trades the day before. There's always one the day before, but maybe it'll come later today or who knows? Maybe, you know, this is going to be the team's just trade. Who the hell? Aaron Gordon and Victor Oladipo and the rest of it all shakes out some other way, buyouts and what have you. A little bit of news here as we get things going. This is, by the way, is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. The Pelicans apparently are desperately trying to get rid of Eric Bledsoe, and seemingly for good reason. It seems like they're also getting set to buy out J.J. Redick, which makes Nikhil Alexander-Walker a very good stash, and also brings into play a little bit 
uh, a young fellow by the name of Kira Lewis. Now, I don't know that this is necessarily going to turn the corner, but he did play 20 minutes last night and had 16 points, 6 assists, and a couple of blocks against the Lakers. He is a guard. He would probably be hovering behind a couple of guys, which does make that a bit of a concern. But, you know, for instance, Bledsoe still played 33 minutes of terrible basketball yesterday. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened to that dude. He's just, he's he's lost it. Or maybe he'll wake up somewhere else. Maybe he's just lost it in New Orleans. But if he's gone, like we already saw what the Pelicans looked like yesterday and, and the day before with no Lonzo Ball. It's a, a decent amount of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who... I mentioned five weeks ago was way too early to stash him because we had heard then Lonzo Ball was on the block and Bledsoe was on the block and Reddick was on the block, but none of those things ever happen until the the last moment. And, and Alexander Walker was basically useless for the better part of the last four weeks, and now he's been quite good for about two days here with uh, with Lonzo out. But yeah, obviously he's a stash at this point because the trade deadline is one day away, and it seems like in a worst-case scenario... Bledsoe and Reddick are probably go- like I don't know how they play Bledsoe after the trade deadline. He's been he's been truly horrible this year. Um, I don't know that there's enough minutes for Kira Lewis, even if Bledsoe's moved out of the way, but it sure seems like he's the next guy up in line for that. Josh Hart would probably see an uptick in that instance as well. He's already seen a little bit of an uptick with a crazy. 2.15 rebound, 5 steal ball game yesterday against the Lakers. And uh, the reason I bring up Lewis is that I just think his fantasy game is better than the other guys waiting in the wings. He's more interesting from a scoring, assisting, and you know steal block type standpoint uh, than even Alexander Walker, who, yes, he scores a fair amount. He can hit some three balls. We've seen his defensive numbers are decent. He had seven rebounds yesterday. That was pretty weird. Not usually a strong suit. Actually doesn't assist all that much, but uh, did manage three there. But still, he's got sort of the first dibs at it. And so that's why he's the first guy you stash. Lewis, I think, is one you could grab if all of this stuff does shake out uh, at the, the, uh, the trade deadline. So we waited and we waited and we waited and we waited and still nothing came through today. And so, you know, we'll just uh, power along like it's any other show, I guess. Taking a look back at a briefer Tuesday. Briefer? That's, I don't think that's right. Uh, Denver beat Orlando on the road. Nikola Jokic just keeps rolling along. So does Will Barton these days. He's been outstanding for about a month now. And I don't think anybody saw this surge coming. I had a lot of Will Bartons to start the year and I have zero now. Which is the problem with a guy coming off of an injury. And I really, as, as you guys know, I'm the guy that preaches never draft an injured player. And in my mind, I was like, all right, well, you know, Will Barton coming off of injury, perhaps he'll take a little bit of time to get settled, or maybe he doesn't play the first couple of weeks. It sounded like he was going to go basically at the beginning of the season, but he's a different guy right now. Gary Harris being out, uh, Monty Morris being out, all of that helps him, but you can't really put it all on that. He's just been better. His usage is up. His field goal percent is better. His steals are better. Everything is improved. And I don't think anybody thought that there was going to be this hard pivot for him right in the middle of the year, but he has turned back the clock and you got to just roll with it until, as we say, the wheels come off. On the Orlando side, Aaron Gordon played despite being one of the most likely players to get traded tomorrow or later today, I guess. Evan Fournier, 
is also on the block, presumably a slightly more difficult uh, trade piece to acquire because he's not asking out of town. Those two guys had decent ball games. I don't like Aaron Gordon's fantasy game. I thought maybe he had turned a corner. I like the higher assist number, but his percentages have just been awful this year. Coming out of nowhere, the coming out of nowhere award in this game was Al Farouk Aminu, who we have talked about a couple of times on this podcast as a guy that you really don't need to do anything with. And even after this ballgame, his roster ship went from 1% to 2%. Because prior to this, he had had games where he was playing in the mid to even high 20s in minutes. He had some 26. He had a 26-minute game mixed in there. 28, his last one against Boston. This is the first time since March the 30s. He scored in double figures, and I know. Dan, you hate points. Why do you even care? Well, you have to be willing to do something on a basketball court. And if you're going to be a 3 and D guy, there needs to be a 3 involved in that. He's not shooting the 3 ball. He is doing the D side of 3 and D, so there's some steals, there's some rebounding, but right now that's pretty much it. He's more of a deep leaguer, and that's okay. We'll keep watching, though. The problem with the Magic, and I, I've said this before on the pod and, and on social media as well, at Dan Vesperis, is that their backups don't have fantasy game other than then Mo Bamba, who can't stay healthy enough to play for more than a week or two in a row, and who who really thinks Vooch is getting traded at the deadline. Not me. That's that's a heavy lift on that one. So you probably see someone like an Aaron Gordon go out, maybe a Terrence Ross, and you get what? More Chuma Okiki, who's fine, decent basketball player. More Al Farouk Aminu, more Gary Clark, more Dwayne Bacon. I don't want any of these guys. Even with starters minutes, I don't want these guys on my team. So, blech. Washington lost in New York. Knicks blew them out. Uh, I, I was wondering if the Wizards would have anything to do in this ballgame, but the, the Knicks coming off of that back-to-back games where the refs really kind of jacked the ball game up, you knew they were going to come out mad, particularly Julius Randle at 37 on seven three-pointers. Hello. Uh, but the story on the New York side, there's never a story on the Washington side. They're the same old crap every game. The story on the New York side, Alfred Payton came back, played 21 minutes. Derek Rose was cleared for this game but did not play due to reconditioning issues stemming from a very bad COVID infection. But despite starting, Nerlens Noel played backup minutes, basically. 17 minutes for Nerlens, most of them in the first half. Mitchell Robinson logged 31 minutes off the bench. 16 and 12, two assists and three blocks on seven out of nine shooting. Welcome back, Mitchell Robinson. He's ready to go. You can fire him up if you hadn't already. Also of note, Alec Burke still logged 29 minutes in this game, despite Peyton and Quickly both being good enough to play. Peyton's getting that starting job back. You already got it. Now you'll see the minutes probably trend up a little bit. But I do wonder if Alec Burke's perhaps finally healthy or maybe just kind of into a rhythm right now. I think you just keep on streaming him at least until we see Derek Rose get back in the mix. And at that point, we saw uh, pretty much everybody... Even Derek, to some degree, but kind of except Derek Rose running out of fantasy value. Just too many guys that all were kind of doing the same thing. For now, though, fire him up. One thing I'd also like to watch, what if Alfred Payton starts to get steals again? Maybe maybe the knee stuff or the groin stuff with all the different things he had going on. Maybe that was part of it. His steal numbers are way down this year. And you guys know I don't like his fantasy game to begin with, but he was actually taking more shots, so they, there was a little offensive juice to it. But uh, the steals and the assists, the reasons you actually pick up a guy like a Peyton, were way down. I've said it a thousand times, so I, I know I repeat myself. 
I don't like his fantasy game either, but if he starts to get closer to two steals a game instead of like .7, that's something to take note of. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think we should keep an eye on it. On the Nerlens Noel front, before we move on to the next ball game, and really, you know, the, the remaining games, there wasn't a ton of stuff blended in those, so I don't want to rush through the, the two or three spots here where we really do want to put some attention. Nerlens can still do fantasy stuff in 17 minutes of ball game. I think in general, I mean, Mitchell Robinson played really well here, and Nerlens had five fouls in his 17 minutes, so that was part of it. But I think in general, you probably see him get closer to 19 minutes a game, and that's actually still enough. If you need field goal percent, steals and blocks out of a center. You're not going to get a ton of rebounds in only 19 minutes. Noel, maybe five or six. You won't get many assists. I know there were some in this ballgame, but that's unusual. You will get, you know, two out of three shooting, three out of four shooting, three out of five, that kind of stuff, and a steal and two blocks. That's his thing. So don't dump him yet. I know he is a drop if you don't need those things at all. But if you need them even a little bit, last year in 18 minutes, he was a top 80 guy. So you know, there is a path for him, even as the backup center. Right at the beginning of the year, that was one of the things we talked about on this show, is that the Knicks seemingly had two starting caliber fantasy centers. Lakers, without LeBron James, without Anthony Davis, we thought there might be some Taylor Norton Tucker stuff in this one, but not really. He just wasn't very good, and I think because of that inconsistency, let's leave him on the wire. Dennis Schroeder is going to get to do a lot. Normally, he'll shoot better than this, so he's a startable guy while LeBron is out. Kyle Kuzma, probably startable while LeBron and AD are out. He had a good ball game here. You don't want him taking free throws. You honestly don't want him taking that many shots, but if he does, you just hope he can kind of run up the, the counting stuff, which he did in this game. 16, 10, and 7 assists. That was unusual. Four threes, did get himself a steal. Six turnovers was also a bit odd. But there's just so much usage available for the Lakers. I don't know how you you don't drop someone like that into your lineup, even knowing the massive limitations. Montrez Harrell is the other guy you likely can trust, although he did have a uh, more poor ball game here against the Pelicans' gigantic front court, which did plenty of work in that game. Uh, Brandon Ingram had 36 out of the small forward spot. Zion, 27 points. They did their damage, 63 points on only 34 shots. Yeah, that's a butt-kicking. We already talked about Josh Hart having a big rebounding line with steals off the bench. And the Pelicans are a team to watch, as we mentioned during the first segment, sort of the pre-show part of this episode. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, absolute stash right now. Bledsoe, probably going to be traded. If not traded, do, do they just sit him down? I don't know. Which is why we mentioned Kira Lewis a bit earlier in the pod. What's Lonzo's status? Is he's getting shipped out? If he comes back, that puts a bit of a damper on all of this stuff because uh, Alexander Walker playing next to Lonzo Ball, I think less enticing than him becoming the point guard, certainly from a fantasy perspective. He's your stash. I'm not that into the Josh Hart thing. I know that he's, you know, he creates a weird fantasy stat set. So that's, again, you, you're talking specialist a little bit to some degree. And then with Lewis, as we mentioned earlier, you're just, you're watching for now. Don't look now, guys, but DeAndre Ayton has actually been a top 40 guy over the last month. This was a big one again. 17 and 16, three assists, three blocked shots on eight out of 12 shooting. Yeah, it's not going to change the whole season for him, but that's, Really okay, just considering how rough things had been going prior to that. The fact that he's now very slowly moving up the board. Number 64, 
You know, he was in the 70s three weeks ago. Maybe he gets his way into the 50s. You're starting to get a little bit of a return on your investment. While poor Devin Booker, just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No steals, usage down, assists down. They didn't need a lot in this game. Miami hasn't been playing very well. And from a fantasy perspective, there was really nothing. This was a this was a whole lot of who cares kind of ball game. And for the Heat, a very strong reason why they, if they want to make another run, probably need another guy that's not Kendrick Nunn. Brooklyn beat Portland without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant. James Harden had 25 points and 17 assists while really shooting poorly in the ball game. A testament to the other guys on the Nets who hit their buckets. Uh, and, and it was quite a few of them, although not that many from downtown. Bruce Brown had eight points on seven shots, no threes. Jeff Green had 20. Joe Harris had 17, typically efficient evening for him. A ball game that really slowed down towards the end of the, uh, the end of the evening. Blake Griffin had eight and five with a couple of steals in 19 minutes. And yeah, still don't really care that much about that. Nick Claxton is the story from this ballgame, to be sure. He played 21 minutes, almost 22, actually. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 1 blocked shot, 8 out of 10 shooting. I continue to be uh, a little bit more hesitant on the Claxton front than your average fantasy enthusiast, but he is an ad while playing more than 20 minutes. That's kind of been the same story for about the last week. I My, my issue here is I don't know if I have the stones to start him every night, I think right now you probably can, although they're oof, back-to-back in Utah on altitude. That's going to be a rough one. But, you know, he's not playing that many minutes anyway, so he should have a little bit in the tank. Good shot blocker, very good field goal percent guy, really not a good free throw guy because he does actually get to the foul line. So, you know, the misses the misses add up more than, you know, like a Jakob Pertle who doesn't really get there all that much. So for Claxton, you know, you look through the numbers. He's shooting over 60% over the last week. He's number 110 in 24 minutes a game, and that's probably about the target with him. And that's why I'm a little bit hesitant. I know everybody's like, upside, upside, upside. Yeah, but upside is capped here by the fact that there are like nine centers all vying for the same minutes, and that's without Kevin Durant taking the power forward minutes. Right now, Jeff Green is getting basically like 30 power forward minutes a night. You pull 30 of those minutes, whoever the hell's playing the rest of them. Is it Blake Griffin right now? Technically, who's logging those minutes? I don't know. Regardless, if KD ever gets healthy and slots back in there, even if he only plays 20-some-odd minutes, those shove Jeff Green up towards the center bucket along with DeAndre Jordan, along with Blake Griffin along with the aforementioned Nick Claxton, who could still get 20 minutes of ballgame, but really does need more like 24 to get to that point. And he's been close to that lately because he's been so much better than DeAndre Jordan at guarding people when the game matters, at being able to switch and guard people on the perimeter. Has a massive leg up, largely because of youth, length, all of that stuff. It's a factor. But there are these issues built in. He's actually not that prolific of a rebounder. In his 23 and a half minutes a game, he's at six rebounds a game. Everybody's like, why do you like Time Lord more? I'm like, well, he gets his six rebounds a game in like 16 minutes. When he gets 24 minutes, he gets up around 10. Why do you like Jakob Pertl more? Well, because he's playing closer to 30 minutes a game. So there's these little things that go in why certain guys do have... We, you don't want to throw around the term upside. Claxton has upside as a 
a, a basketball player overall. But in this, this current setup, his upside is capped. So I'm fine with an ad there, but just understand he's probably not getting over 23 or 24 minutes a game. And given the free throw shooting and the fact that he's not, I know he had nine rebounds in this one, but in general, he's not the world's greatest rebounder. That's going to limit the effectiveness a little bit. On the Portland side, Ennis Cantor logged 39 minutes in that ball game. Apparently, Yusuf Nurkic now nursing a sore calf. Could that be? Could that really be real? Rob Covington foul trouble, but still had a great ball game. Dame shot horribly. I mean, really, really bad. C.J. McCollum, same story. If either one of those guys was even half decent, they would have won this ball game. Uh, but the the path is there. McCollum played 38 minutes, so he's on his way back. Took the most shots on the team with 19. And it's just a matter of him getting his sea legs back. Philly beat Golden State. Warriors actually hung around for a while before fading very late in this one. Tobias Harris was good. Philly won it with their defense. Ben Simmons was uh, not very good because of the free throw line. Shake Milton had 13 in his streaming opportunity here. There, you know, Tony Bradley got most of the center minutes, but we're not dealing with that. I think the real news on this ballgame... Uh, not so much the Seth Curry stuff, because I think he's expected to have pretty soon. Steph Curry, it sounds like he's going to miss about another week. And that was when he went down. We were like, this is probably going to be 7 to 10 days, and I think that's pretty close. 10 is probably more what you're looking at with it. Uh, Kelly Oubre had a big ball game with no Steph. Jordan Poole had 19, but an inefficient path to it. The news, I thought, on the Warriors' side was James Wiseman starting and playing 26 minutes. Now, Philly runs a big lineup on the floor, so perhaps... That contributed to Wiseman seeing additional playing time, but and, and points leagues wise or uh, category leagues wise, I don't think he's there because you know he's not a great foul shooter, he's not a great rebounder even at his uh, young age. Ubre and Dre both out rebounded him, Kevon Looney out rebounded him in uh, eight fewer or eight more uh, fewer minutes than Wiseman. But you might be starting to think about Wiseman in points leagues if he really is going to get 25-26 minutes because when Steph's on the floor, that gets other people open. And the Warriors do kind of need some sort of dunking presence on the floor. And maybe this is the start of it. Problem, of course, with Wiseman, he's over-rostered. He's 70% rostered, and he hasn't even been remotely close to fantasy value this year. Number 260 in nine category leagues in uh, 21 minutes a game. So like 25, 26 minutes, that's not going to get him there in category leagues, but it actually might in points leagues because take, you know, 12.6 rebounds and a block and add some 20 to 25% of that. And, you know, at, now you're talking about like 14, seven and a half. And that's pretty close as long as you don't care about the free throw stuff. And that was the relatively short Tuesday. I'm not adding that guy, by the way. No, that wasn't completely clear. Middle of the podcast here before we take a look at a very large Wednesday card. Middle of the podcast reminder to, again, check out our YouTube page. I'm putting the links all over the world. You can't dodge them, but the easiest one to find is indeed right here in the description of today's episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Just t stop what you're doing. Look at the phone. Oh, if you're driving, I guess don't look at it. Wait till you get to a red light. Look at your phone. See the description. Click on that YouTube link that I posted there. And please hit the thumbs up. Set a reminder. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Tomorrow, Thursday, is going to be an absolute wingding. 
And that's how you get your trade deadline fantasy live coverage as news breaks. Don't wait for later in the day to get your news. Don't try to interpret it from the quick news on Twitter. Let us do it for you. We'll tell you who the drops and pickups are in real time. That's all tomorrow, Thursday at 9 a.m. Click on the YouTube link. Please, guys, I'm begging of you, hit that thumbs up button. Set the reminder. We want this thing to be already. We want to pre-populate this show. So when it starts, it'll just blow up on YouTube. This is our chance again. So I need your help on this one. And this is really your one day. We don't have time to do it after the fact. We need it to be done before the fact. This is your one day to do it. So please help us out a little bit this afternoon by clicking on that, uh, that link, the thumbs up, the reminder, and the subscription button. A lot on the docket tonight on a big Wednesday, but we'll keep it relatively brief. I don't want this show to be a super long one. Uh, the only reason to do a long show right now is hoping that news breaks while you're talking, so you're like you're almost filibustering a podcast and hoping that a trade comes through. Detroit at Indiana. No big news out of these uh, two teams right now. Detroit continuing to run their usual guys. Indiana, kind of the same story as we get a better feel for TJ McConnell. Questionable there, Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Miles Turner. And certainly if those two guys are out, you can expect McConnell to have another good ball game. Jeremy Lamb actually slid in. They needed his scoring in the last one. Sure would love to see Jeremy Lamb do more, but you know it's possible that he's just not really fully healthy this year. It's a big recovery, and he came back fast. Boston at Milwaukee. Apparently Boston is shopping Marcus Smart. That's the rumor. I, that would surprise the hell out of me, as I've said before, but you never know. Bucks. Uh, I haven't seen an update on Giannis. Maybe I missed it. I mean, I. what's the latest on Giannis? Is he sitting this one out again? I think he's a game-time decision. Yeah, he's questionable. Yeah, so there hadn't really been an update, and we're already in the afternoon at this one. Bucks have a back-to-back here with Boston. A rematch set, rather. They're not on back-to-back days. It's, it's uh, today and Friday. I don't expect the Bucks to be involved in anything at the trade deadline. There's nothing significant. They got their P.J. Tucker last week. Boston, there's a possibility, though. I guess Tristan Thompson's on the block, but, I mean, come on. Whatever. Time Lord crushing it these days. That's it. Denver at Toronto. Back-to-back game for the Nuggets down in Tampa, I should say. Raptors, man, they're on the brink of blowing the whole thing to smithereens right now. Kyle Lowry on the block. Norm Powell on the block. Is it time to finally pull the plug on this iteration of the Toronto Raptors? Sure feels like we are damn close to it. But that team suffers from Orlando Magic-itis, which is that the guys that are backing up those dudes are not particularly good. At least from a fantasy perspective. I'm sure they're quite good at basketball in general. Uh, But there hasn't been a a clear winner when guys are out. It was always Norman Powell, mega streamer of the year, king of all streamers. But if he's gone, who streams for the streamer? I broke my brain. Look, Kyle Lowry was in, and Powell was in, and the whole the rest of the team was all out with COVID for like two and a half weeks, and no one else did a thing. Cleveland, Chicago Bulls are a constant watch. They did uh, since they've made that lineup change. Things have been relatively predictable. Unfortunately, that has meant the complete disappearance of Kobe White from points leagues. Cleveland, uh, they, they've got a couple of guys on the block. We'll see if anything shakes out there. I'm not really uh, hanging on by a thread here or anything. 
Grizzlies would love to see them trade a little bit of depth away, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. And then the Thunder, they're kind of the opposite side of things. Memphis, they play everybody trying to win. The Thunder play everybody trying to lose. It's not working. OKC keeps winning ballgames. We don't have a report on whether or not any big men are in or out for the Thunder as of now. It sounds like Shea is going to sit this one out, so they'll just continue to give guys days off, which super annoying. Uh, Gilgis Alexander resting. This is not part of a back-to-back for them. He is resting in back-to-back games. Uh, they're saying it's mild plantar fasciitis, which is very disconcerting. But he looked totally fine putting up 31 in Minnesota. So I'm going to assume... This is just scheduled rest. They give him this one off, and they've got two days off, so basically he can sit for like five days between basketball games. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe this is the maybe this is something bigger, which would be a, a fat bummer. When Shea sits, you tend to see pretty good games from Theo Maladone and or Ty Jerome, but I'm probably not making the plunge on either of those guys in the short term, especially with the team Thunder having a couple days off after this ball game. They play again on Saturday. I'm more interested in what's going on in the big man spot. If Al Horford is finally playing a ball game, do I sit Moses Brown or leave him in and uh, see what happens? At the moment, I'm leaning towards leaving him in. It seems like he gets minutes even when Horford's playing. It won't be as many, but stay tuned to the news on that one. See who's, uh, who's in and who's out. Phoenix at Orlando. Suns have been playing very well. Magic have a number of guys on the block, so really... No idea how they're going to look in this ball game. This is a, a fat crapshoot, but not much from a fantasy standpoint here as we wait it all out. Charlotte at Houston. Can the Rockets make it two in a row off the 20-game losing streak? I would assume Victor Oladipo is going to be sitting while they try to move him, but honestly, at this point, who the hell knows? Because maybe, maybe they want to see him put up a big ball game, and does that increase the price ever so slightly? It seems like... Such a small sample wouldn't really matter. You sort of know what you're getting at this point. I, they have to convince another team that he's healthy because it's going to take one more than one, one damn game to do that. Meanwhile, on the Charlotte side, we're still sort of weighing the LaMelo Ball fallout, although uh, word did come out um, early yesterday or like right after we released the podcast that LaMelo Ball is going to be reevaluated in four weeks post-surgery. So there is actually a fleeting chance that LaMelo Ball could play again during this regular season. Four weeks would be April the 20th, which is about three weeks from the end of the season. So maybe there's a way. My guess is even if he comes back, then you wouldn't see him at full tilt. So if you're thinking about stashing him, you must be thinking, I'm going to get four or five games. But hey, maybe that's worth it. He's pretty damn good. In the meantime, you're probably going to get more Devontae Graham. And then in points leagues, keep a bit more of an eye on a guy like a Malik Monk. With Houston... You know, it's going to come down to who's playing. As per usual, we've seen a lot lately to like from Daniel House and Jay Sean Tate. They've sort of risen above the rest of that crowd. Kevin Porter Jr. is your stash guy for when things get shut down there. But that doesn't appear to be yet. I don't think they're ready to just call it quits after getting one win in almost two months. I, honestly, I believe I think they, they want to win a couple just to not be so sad. You know, they're humans, right? The front office might want them to lose all these games. That's easy for them. They're just watching the standings. But these guys are out there just getting their butts handed to them. Mavericks finally playing again. I feel like it's been forever since that Portland game. I think it's only been two days. Mavs have been playing well. They're in Minnesota here. Uh, Fantasy-wise, the Mavs finally playing 
real starters rotations these days. Minnesota, pretty close to getting D'Lo and Beasley back, but not quite yet, so who cares? For the Mavs, uh, Richardson's looked good lately, Kleba's looked good lately, and that's about as far as you'll run it, but at least those guys are getting traditional starters minutes, and they look healthy, really for the first time since last year. I really think COVID did a number on those dudes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just acclimating, but I think it's COVID. Clippers at Spurs is a front end of a rematch set, so something to keep an eye on there. Clippers got that nice comeback win over Atlanta. Uh, Was that yesterday or was that Monday? That was Monday. I I can do this, guys. Um, They're favored by six on the road. That's a pretty goodly number against a Spurs team that's really not all that bad. But we'll see. I, you know, betting-wise, I'm leaving that alone. I'll probably mess around with the rematch, depending on how this one goes. Fantasy-wise, Marcus Morris has looked good for the Clippers lately. You guys called me crazy, but he's actually looked pretty good. And for the Spurs, I need to see fantasy game out of Keldon Johnson. He keeps kind of buying himself more time by racking up big minutes, and getting a block here and there, and some rebounds. But I need to see something. I need to see a little burst. Give me that burst. Brooklyn at Utah, Jazz favored by 11, if you're looking at the betting side here. In altitude, off the late game, that's a tough one. I think this line is built on the idea that James Harden is not playing. And if that's the case, then I wouldn't touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. On the Brooklyn side, you're going to get all sorts of weird stuff, like Tyler Johnson and Timothée Luawu Kabaro. Good luck to you if you are willing to stream in this one. Nick Claxton is probably a really good play. We've talked about him a bunch. This is probably his chance to play a whole bunch of minutes, Unfortunately, Rudy Gobert is on the other side. Utah, pretty predictable these days. Joe Ingles is crushing. Jordan Clarkson's faded after a crazy start to the year. But, you know, he's settled around that top 100 mark. That's kind of where everybody expected him to be. It's just a matter of how you get there. And then the Hawks finally lost a game. Snapped their big winning streak. Uh, Got off to that great start in L.A. against the Clippers and then saw it slip away in the second half. Uh, As a result of their recent good stretch Atlanta is the four seed in the Eastern Conference at one game over 500 you know where that would put them in the Western Conference the nine seed we got to get these conferences figured out or just get rid of them all together uh so the Hawks finally lose I think they'd won eight in a row prior to that something like that uh it's always tough when you lose that first one after a long winning streak who are the Hawks really right now and for the Kings uh, they've suddenly won, I think, three of their last four. Am I getting that right? It's either two of their last three or, or three of their last four. They lost the Sixers. Yeah, they beat the Wiz, the Celtics, and the Cavs. Not exactly world beaters, two of those three wins. But so they, they actually look like they care here lately. And that's confusing because I still think the Kings are going to make a trade. I just, you know, these these couple of wins for Sacramento has put them within striking distance. Three and a half games back of the Grizzlies, game back of each, the Pels and Thunder. We talked about this yesterday. A win or two more here, and they might convince themselves that they could actually make a run at a playoff spot when the best thing for them would be get a haul for Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes and dive into another rebuild or try to make it a quick one because you've still got Darren Fox on the roster. But who knows? They might not do it. I picked up Hassan Whiteside in one or two spots, not many, but just on the chance that he stays and Holmes moves, because that's a really juicy potential fantasy stash. I don't actually think it happens. I think there's like a 10% chance that that actually is the eventuality in Sacramento. It's sounding more and more like they don't want to trade people, but don't they have to? 
Anyway, Whiteside is the potential winner there, and nobody else is all that super obvious. For Atlanta, uh, game two, DeAndre Hunter back from his big injury. Played 20 minutes against the Clippers, so hopefully we see him at 22-23 in this one. And that puts him about one game away from Roto Games cappers firing him up. I don't think I would do it here. I'm uh, less concerned about missing a good ball game than I am about starting him for a very rusty one because that's going to be a, an issue for a guy that was, uh, by all accounts, having sort not even as just a career year because he's a young player, but really like an NBA league-wide career year for uh, two-point shooting. Does that just come back now after a long layoff? I don't know. Hawks certainly hope so. We also don't have a Gallo update. He didn't play late in that other ballgame. I suggested irritable bowel syndrome. I... Probably I'm wrong, but I don't care because it's funny, and so that's why I'm going to roll with it. But uh, they'll miss him if Gallo's out. He's he's a scorer that can help when teams trap Trey, although Sacramento lost to Atlanta by quite a lot in Georgia not that long ago, and they didn't do anything about Trey. They just let him run ragged because the Kings have no defensive identity at all. And uh, you might see that again here, 230 and a half, the total in this game, second highest mark on the board behind just Dallas, Minnesota. So, oddsmakers think they're going to be a few points also. Let's go ahead and put a pin in this thing for now. I don't want to make this a long show. Tomorrow is really going to be a big one. I got to, really, I got to save my voice um, a bit. Although now we're hearing, by the way, a little bit of, of not breaking news necessarily, but it sounds like Aaron Gordon might not want to be traded anymore. So who the hell knows what's going on in Orlando either? I guess if he's not traded, at least you know, right? The devil you know versus... The devil you don't. Aaron Gordon probably gets played a decent amount no matter where he ends up. If he sticks in Orlando, then you know he's going to have plenty of opportunity, and you just hope that the shots and the free throws fall a little bit more frequently than they have been, and we'll roll with it from there. Last request again, please, guys. I literally beg of you to do this thing that takes less than... This is really a 15-second request. It's nothing. Look at the description of the podcast. Click the YouTube link or links that I put in there and hit the thumbs up on tomorrow's deadline video today. I want to preload with thumbs up over there. Big, big deal for helping that thing blast out across the internet when we actually launch the show first thing tomorrow morning. And of course, join us for the show. Chat room will be open. We will not be responding to it. That's going to be, you know, the crowd talking amongst themselves. But we basically have a lineup now uh, for tomorrow's show, it's going to be myself, of course. I'll be there for all four hours. Aaron Bruski will be there for about three of the four hours. Ethan Noroff, big name in the fantasy world. Adam King, Santino Cacone, Alan Soroki, Surio Deshaq, Steven Vitovich. Uh, it's going to be a blast, man. And then uh, we're hoping to sneak in Micah Patria near the end of that thing as well, our, our good buddy. So uh, tons of outstanding fantasy analysts really kind of like the longest tenured hoop ballers that we could find guys have been uh kicking it with us here at hoop ball for uh a long long time and just the best fantasy minds in the industry all coming together on one show we will be breaking news as it occurs i mean you'll see me live on the show tomorrow i'll be throwing a question to somebody and then going to my fantasy teams to make the moves right with you guys on air so, yeah, don't miss it. Again, please take 15 seconds. Go hit that thumbs up here in advance. Set the reminder button 
so that you don't miss it when we launch tomorrow morning, Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. That's over at the Hoopball YouTube page, which, again, you can find the link in the description below. I am at Dan Bespris. I am just Dan Bespris also. I'm both Dan Bespris and I'm at Dan Bespris. On Twitter, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoopball presentation. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon on this podcast. Again, this show tomorrow will be the highlight portion of the trade deadline live show. So if you're waiting on Fantasy NBA today, you're going to be waiting a while. Another good reason to actually watch the live show tomorrow. Talk to you on that in the morning. You'll hear from me in the afternoon here on this podcast feed and then back to normal on Friday. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.